Mira Selper had always dreamed of having a certain kind of relationship with her mom, one where they'd go and get their nails done together, go shopping, swap secrets. You know, think Rory and Lorelai of Gilmore Girls. But growing up, things felt pretty different. We did not have a very close relationship at all. There's that kind of um, mom-daughter relationship that is unique, but that was kind of lacking for me. My mom and I just didn't see eye to eye. Their main source of tension was Mira's stepfather, her mom's boyfriend. He was not um, a very likable figure, I guess you could say. He just was very good at making you feel horrible about yourself. And I did do a lot of trying to talk to her and being like, this person is not good. When Mira was about 15, she decided to leave her mom's house and be with her dad instead. They all lived in Ajax, Ontario, a town outside of Toronto. But Mira and her mom hardly talked. Then one day, a couple years ago, Mira was hanging out at a friend's house when her mom came by to pick her up. Which was quite odd. Usually she didn't do that. So we went over to my aunt's house. We were sitting at my aunt's kitchen table, and my mom's talking. She was talking like my stepdad wasn't a part of the picture. And I got confused, and I just straight up asked, like, you're just moving out, like, on your own? And she's, she's like, yeah, I'm just going to leave. The thing Mira had wished for for years was finally happening. There was a piece of me that wanted to, like, just uh, jump for joy in a way. She imagined a whole new life. Like my mom being my best friend, I guess. But she didn't want to get too excited too quickly. Because I thought, well, you know, sure, my stepdad is gone, but it doesn't mean that it can't happen again. I'm Eddie Mejeres, and welcome to This is Uncomfortable, a show for Marketplace about life and how money messes with it. Less than a month after Mira's mom left her boyfriend, she was back to dating, this time on dating apps. Mira was shocked at how quickly her mom was rebounding, but she kept that to herself. She was just happy her mom was back in her life. This week, love comes at a cost to both a mom and a daughter who see the same relationship with wildly different eyes. And for this episode, we're going to do something kind of different. I'm going to get out of the way and let Mira tell the story in her own words. All right, here's the show. We just would sit on this couch that we had and we would just go through profiles. I think we used Bumble quite a bit, um, so it was a lot of swiping. And we would just like make noises, I guess you could say. Like we weren't even saying words. Ooh, okay. Okay, next, next. He's all right. Mm. Next person. Ooh. Mm, okay, that's good. Okay. Oh, Jesus. My mom would like match with the people that like we both approved of sort of thing. I was on dating apps at the time too. I would show her my matches. So to go back to that besties sort of thing, that was something we were doing together for some time. It felt nice, and I guess there was like a piece of me that kind of reverted back to being a little kid in a way, even though I was 20 at the time, because I missed out on these sorts of things. These very girly things that like, you know, you do with your mom. She was being pretty honest about, you know, wanting more financial security and stability from someone she was going to date. 
now she had the opportunity to like really go find that. And I definitely see that because of she had just left my stepdad who, you know, could barely pay a bill on time. He was historically horrible with money. There was definitely times growing up where there was maybe not enough food in the house. Multiple times utilities were cut. I don't think she wanted to be the type of person to worry about money. She just wanted somebody else to worry about that. Um, and a few weeks later, again, sitting on the brown couch sort of thing, she told me she had met someone and she seemed excited about it. She told me his name was David. He was like 55 and he you know, lives in Toronto, an hour from like my town. She showed me his pictures. He had like short blondish hair and he said that he was Swiss. For my mom, it was always European immigrants. Like that was, you know, oh, that's who she dates sort of thing. So I was like, oh, makes sense that he's Swiss. Like, that's great. Um, and that he's like a civil engineer. And I was like, oh, that's perfect. Like, this sounds like this is good. The following week or two, I'd see her on the phone with him. It was very like lovey-dovey, I guess. Like blushing and just very like glowy and that whole entire th thing, I would definitely say that was her. It was nice to see her like that. Yeah, it was. I imagine David as someone who was like very like professional, kind of like stoic, but like had like a sweet side to him. And my mom had told me that he had a daughter who was a few years older than me. I thought that would be like really nice. David had told her, you know, I'm living in Toronto right now, working on a condo project in Toronto. And then once I'm finished up, we're going to meet up. I promise. I don't know if it was a week later, two weeks later, again on the couch, <laughs> lots of conversations on the couch. She had somehow slipped into the conversation that David had told her that he has to go to Turkey to go collect the money that he had made working on a condo or housing project in Turkey. And that it was probably gonna take him about a week, maybe two. He just wants to make sure he collects his money and he's gonna come back to Toronto and then they'll go out on a date. I figured if you really like someone uh, and you know, they only were living like a 45 minute drive away from each other, like they could at least quickly meet up, even if it isn't a super long date. Uh, you know, a coffee date, something. Uh, if you really like someone, you'll definitely want to see them. So why not take that opportunity? But it was not something that I said to her. I just didn't want to mess up this kind of new relationship we were building. I had that really intense fear of, well, this is the first time I've really had my mom in a long time, so I don't want to mess anything up, so... Not, not a peep out of me sort of thing. During this really quite early period, probably only a few weeks, I had happened to be downstairs and they were finishing up their conversation and she told him that she loved him. That I caught on quite quickly because that to me was, was jarring. I was like, love you. Like that was just, you know, I was like, whoa, okay. I thought like this is going pretty quick and they still had not met each other. 
He was still in Turkey. I just remember being shocked by it, but again, I didn't say anything. Towards the end of November, mid-November, my mother had called me uh, and I had just left the library. I had been studying and I was talking to her outside. It was freezing outside. (laughs) She was going on and on and on. She was so excited. David had told my mother that he was coming back. She was going to go to the airport and she was going to rent a hotel there. Then, you know, David had promised her he's going to take her to his house. You know, I I can't wait to meet him. Like, this is going to be so exciting. We've been talking for, you know, a few months now. He did not show up. He's telling my mom that he cannot leave the country because they're not releasing his funds, his money that he had made from his condo slash housing project. And now... They're seizing his access to his bank accounts in Canada. So he's completely like screwed in terms of money and he's stuck in a foreign country. She was disappointed, but it was not like she was, she was not angry with him. I just thought like there's some piece of some story that's not being told. Like it was just, there was a lot of alarm bells going off, but I didn't have an exact thing in my mind as to what was going on. I started to really think, like, David is someone who's slowly turning into this person that could convince my mother of anything. The idea of it being a scam started to emerge. And I kind of made a rule with myself, you know what, you're not going to be able to convince her out of it, because you weren't able to convince her out of the last relationship she was in, and you tried really hard. And I thought if she at least tells me what's going on, then maybe I can do something with that information. So I'm like, if I don't have any evidence for her sending any money to him or him asking for any money in the first place, that I'm not going to say anything. I wanted to do whatever I could to get him here. And if that was monetarily, I was willing to do that. At that point, I've sent him everything that I had. I'd sent him all my money, for sure. My name is Lee Hendry, and I am Nira's mother. Coming up after the break, we hear from Lee. Before the break, we met Mira, a college student who'd always dreamed of having a closer relationship with her mom. And when her mom left her stepdad, who essentially tore them apart, it felt like that might finally happen. But when her mom started dating David, a civil engineer from Toronto stuck in Turkey, Mira couldn't shake this feeling that something just wasn't right. Meanwhile, from her mom Lee's perspective, at the beginning, everything felt totally right. Her heart would flutter when she'd see a call from David. They'd talk first thing in the morning, during her lunch break, then again at night. Lee gushed about him to her co-workers and boss. And it wasn't long before she saved his picture as her iPhone background. You just feel like, 
you feel like you're 16 again. I remember him sending me a video of a song. Lionel Richie and Diana Ross. No one else will do. He said he was thinking about me and this is, you know, this should be our song. And I was really, I was really head over heels. It felt like each time we spoke that we got closer. He would say things like, I can't believe how fast I'm falling for you. You're just the woman of my dreams. You're wonderful. Oh, felt great. He talked about wanting to get married and I want to make you my wife and I want you to take my last name. I felt like this guy's really stable because he's opened his own engineering business. So he's doing really well. I wouldn't have to work when he came back. He had always said to me, I'm going to spoil you. It made it sound like this worry-free life. That was huge for me. When I was with my ex, he would forever have a job, then lose a job, then have a job, then lose a job. I'd come home from work and there'd be a yellow sticky note on the door because he didn't pay the gas bill. It was every day waking up and you just knew it was going to be a struggle. When, you know, David proposed all these wonderful things, it just sounded like, oh my God, this is amazing. I will never have to worry about no lights or no hot water or fighting about money ever again. But then he was stuck in Turkey, going on a few months. David told me he didn't have certain permits that he needed, so he needed to get those before they would release his passport to him so that he could leave. I asked him, well, how much is it? And he said, 20000 And he wasn't able to access any of his funds in Canada. And I said, well, you know, I have money. I can send it to you. Then you can come home. He was in tears. I can't believe you'd do that for me. You love me. I can't, you know, what am I going to do? I, I can't wait till I'm home so I can repay you. So I wanted to do whatever I could to get him here. It was almost manic for me. It was almost, it was all consuming. Like I'm not sleeping. I'm, you know, having a hard time at work because I'm, you know, what else can I do to get him home? I felt like I'm going to fix this. I'm going to make it all better. That was the first time I sent him money. Each week, something else would come up. You know, David needed another permit or he needed some documents or he was staying at a hotel and he owed them money and he had to pay them. It was just, it was like this roller coaster that you were constantly on, you know, because it was, I'm coming. Oh, I'm not coming. I'm coming home. I'm not coming home. I would get my hopes all built up and then he needed more money. It, it was so overwhelming. I wish I could have talked to Mira about it, but I just knew that she wasn't happy about David. So I didn't talk about certain aspects, like the sending of money, like that sort of thing. I wanted her to think that I was okay, I was doing fine. 
although nothing could have been further from the truth. It had been going on a few months. I remember thinking to myself, I don't want to look at my account because I don't want to see how little I have in there. I just know the money was gone. I felt sick, actually. I felt sick. But I do remember saying to myself, I'll get it back when he comes back. So, you know, this is going to be just a little blip. And I remember just feeling desperate to get him here. So I think I just threw caution to the wind and reached out to Mira. So I was sitting in my bed. I'm, you know, going to go out for work later on. I'm watching something on my laptop and I hear my phone go off. Got a text. So of course, look at my phone and I see that it's my mom. She's asking me if I have any extra cash. Hi, um, I wanted to know if you um, had any money that I could borrow. I started to text her back. And I said, well, why do you need the money? She said, David needs a document so that he can leave Turkey so that he can come home. He needs this, this money for the document. And I remember my blood just going cold. I asked her straight up. I said, doesn't he have his own money? And she said, David does have his own money, but he can't get to it. I'm sorry, like I don't have any money. That's okay. Don't worry about it. I was kind of sitting there thinking like, I've got to, like, I've got to come up with something. Like, okay, no, she's, I know for sure that she's sending money to him. And because she's asking me, that means she's already sent most of her money anyways. Because she wouldn't need to ask me any for anything if she had money left. And I felt like I wish I would have been more aggressive with the whole situation earlier. So I felt, I guess I was kind of blaming myself a little bit. Oh, it felt terrible. It felt wrong. It felt totally wrong. Because it should be the other way around. It shouldn't be, you know, you asking your children for money. They're supposed, you're supposed to be helping them. Not the other way around. I don't know if it was a week later or two weeks later. I went back home for the weekend, of course. Went back downstairs to the brown couch. <laughs> and then I asked her, have you been sending David money? And she just said, she just said yes. It got a little, um, got a little uncomfortable. For me, it was embarrassing. It felt like a role reversal, really. Because, you know, you have your daughter questioning you about um, decisions you've made. And then I said, how much money have, have you sent him? I remember saying I sent 18000 I didn't say the whole amount. I just left. Like, I went back upstairs. And I started to think to myself, like, what? I, I don't know. Like, hearing that number was insane to me. I was like, that is a ridiculous amount of money. That's not 500 bucks. That's not even 1,000 bucks. Like, that's 18,000. I decided at this point I was going to try and take a more aggressive approach. So my next plan of attack was to talk to my brother. 
you know, we were sitting in my room. He was sitting at my desk. I was sitting in my bed. And I was like, what do you know? Because I asked mom the other day how much money she sent. She literally told me 18000 And he told me a completely different story. She had told me 18000 but she had told my brother 40000 There was a piece of me that was hurt by that because I knew she was telling my brother the more accurate story because she felt, one, more comfortable with him, but two, because she felt less judged by him. Because I think she knew deep down if I really knew how much money was being sent and exactly what was going on, that I would try to put more of a stop to it. And we made a decision. We essentially said, okay, so talking's not working. Let's try to show her something physical. So I took my laptop downstairs. I, my brother had his phone. She was again sitting on the brown couch. Just sitting there watching TV. And I saw both my kids come down the stairs and Mira had her laptop. And I thought, oh, oh, something's going on. We said, okay, mom, like, we want to talk to you. She turned off the TV and we started off the conversation with, you know, we're really worried about you. We want to help you. We care about you. We love you. And we don't think David is who he says he is. And we asked her, you know, how much money have you sent? She refused to answer. I didn't say anything. Because I'd sent him all my money. Just over 100000 Yeah. It was everything I had. And when I had no money left, I decided to go and get payday loans. So not only had I sent him all my money, I'm now in debt. I am freaking out at this point. My mind is going a million miles an hour thinking, you know, what if it's true? I have no money. What have I done to myself? All of those things come, you know, all at one one moment. I asked my mom, you know, can I search the images that David has sent you of himself? And can we have David's phone number so we can search it online? I was pretty sweaty. And I remember saying, you know what? If he's who he says he is, it'll be okay. And if he's not, well, then I'm in big trouble. So I sent her the photos that I had. The selfies that David had sent my mom. Him sitting in his car. There was one with his dog. And she gave my brother his phone number. I said to my brother, I was like, I'm going to search up the images of David. And you will search up David's phone number. And we'll see what we can get. So I was sitting right beside her on the brown couch and my brother was sitting in a chair to the side of us. I would put the image in where I could do a reverse image search and nothing was coming up. And it was like that over and over again. Zero images found, zero images found. Like it felt so brutal. It seemed like she was searching for a long time and I'm thinking, well, maybe I'm okay. I remember thinking that in my head. I'm, I'm going to be okay. Because you don't, want, you don't want that horrible thing to be true. My brother and I were, were kind of having an eye conversation with each other, like, 
we need to find anything, something. I finally clicked one last site. I don't even remember the name of it because it was not like a well-known site by any means. I put the image in and a whole list of these pictures of David pop up. But they're not of David. They're of this random man who's actually a meteorologist for a local news station in Chicago. I quickly, like as soon as I saw it, I quickly clicked on one of the pictures. It took me to a Facebook profile, his public profile for the local news station. I found all the images my mother had ever shown me. The one with him with his dog, the one with him in his car, all the selfies he took. And I found hundreds more. So there was no doubt that these pictures were stolen. I quickly kind of turned the laptop a bit more to my brother. He looked up and like we both had like these huge eyes when you see something really crazy. A look on her face that I'll never forget. And I said to her, just show me, please just show me. And I saw a picture of him, but he's a weatherman in Chicago all of the color ran out of my face. You know, and you just say, oh my God, I'm such a fool. This very stone-faced, very kind of closed-in sort of demeanor that she had had completely changed. And she got like a bit teary-eyed. Yeah. The realization... You know, I'm I'm supposed to be better than that as a mother, and I wasn't. And she's saying, thank you, thank you. And my brother and I were kind of surprised that she reacted that way because we had a feeling like she might not. I cried, and I called my sister. You know, my mom said to my aunt, the kids found out, like, David isn't real. Can I come over? So she literally left the house. And my sister Laura said, it's going to be okay. You know, we'll figure this out. I was sitting at her island in her kitchen. There's a lot of tears. And I also felt like relief. Because I finally had the truth and I knew it was going to end. I was going to, I wasn't going to have to worry about money in the sense of how I'm going to get it to him. I'm not going to have to do those things anymore. And I said, I need to figure out what I'm going to do next. How am I going to pay this debt off? Because not only did I lose the relationship of what I thought was going to be forever, I lost everything I had. It makes you question who you are. And, you know, I guess I don't trust myself. And I've given myself reason not to. I was devastated. I ended up taking time off work. I just, I literally could not function. And who do you talk to? There's so much shame in it that, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to tell anyone. You don't want to talk about it. The next weekend I had come around, 
my mom told me that she blocked him on everything. And that was that. He was blowing up my phone like, I love you so much. Where have you gone? You haven't answered me. I miss you. I love you. What are you doing? You know, and I just went, yeah, so you're a weatherman in Chicago, are you? I said, you got what you wanted. Now fuck off. No matter if a relationship went well or bad, all of us have that hope in us at the beginning. All of us have those sorts of butterflies at the beginning and like these really addictive, amazing feelings. That's everybody. And sometimes those relationships still go well and people get married and all of this stuff, but sometimes things just turn ugly where people are not who they say that they are and all of this stuff, but that beginning piece is so addictive and it feels so good. Ultimately, I see her as a victim. I don't see her as someone who was stupid or made a bad decision. She frustrated me at times, absolutely. But I ultimately see her as a victim. I was still working through a lot from my prior relationship. I just remember saying to myself, I don't want to do another 10 years like that of struggling. That'll kill me. So I think when, you know, David was willing to take care of me, I felt like, oh, this is just going to be so much easier. And now, you know, I'm 51 and I work harder now than I ever have. Just, you know, I have a part-time job. I work, you know full-time and I work overtime at my regular job too every night I'm working but but will I recoup I don't know I don't know if I can recoup everything I lost I honestly don't believe that my mom has had a happy life that's maybe a sad thing to say that's not to say she never had any happy moments but I don't think she's had a generally very happy life. And if anything that I want to see in my lifetime is her being happy and being content, that to me would be more than enough. And weirdly enough, like a few weeks later, she re-downloaded all the dating apps and everything. But this time, if she felt that someone was being disingenuous, someone was lying, she would ask me to come look at something. There was another person, I think it was on Bumble actually, I looked at his pictures, I ran, I did an image search, I googled some stuff and a whole bunch of stuff came up, so I was like, yeah, block that guy and report him and move on. I think, if anything, I've realized I'm never going to have that stereotypical mother-daughter relationship. Still, I'm much happier with my relationship with my mom now because there's no interference. I like what Mira said about how at the beginning of relationships, it's easy to get ahead of yourself, for your imagination to fill the gaps, and really to latch onto this idea that this next relationship will be better, that it'll finally solve your problems. In a way, I can see Lee, Mira's mom, in so many people. In fact, falling for this kind of scam is incredibly common. According to the FTC, people last year reported losing more money on romance scams than any other fraud. 
people lost over $300 million. And that's just what was reported. Lee says she tried going to the local police, but they basically said there was nothing they could do. She willingly gave money to a boyfriend. And actually, earlier this week... Hi there, Rima. Hi, how's it going? You look like how you look in your pictures. (laughs) (laughs) Who knew? Oh, how about that? (laughs) We didn't get in touch with David, but we did manage to track down Eric Sorensen. Senior meteorologist at WQAD-TV in the Quad Cities of Iowa and Illinois. The person whose photos were used to catfish Lee. Do you know why I reached out to you? No. Oh, okay. I thought that maybe you did. Okay, so I've been in touch with a woman named... I explained everything to him. About Lee, about her daughter, about David. scammed her out of $100,000. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And she thought that she was talking to someone who looked like you. Oh, my God. Yeah. So... Who, who, who is this person? I don't know. I don't even know. Is that person around here? I hope not. Eric the person and David the scammer share virtually nothing in common, like location. I worked in Tyler, Texas, and then I worked in Rockford, Illinois, and here in Moline, Illinois. Nice. So I've never been to Switzerland, and I've never been to Europe. Or relationship status. I've uh, been with my partner for about uh, 11 years now. I am actually not even straight. So oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> so this guy got another thing wrong. Too. Right. Um, and one that Eric was particularly bummed about, age. So you said that this person said that I was 50 some years old. Okay. I'm only in my 40s. <laughs> Eric's like, I just want to clarify. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, how does it feel knowing that the scammer used your pictures? That's scary because being on television, I've got a presence Mm -hmm. on social media, you know, and I post things and Mm -hmm. um, my social media presence goes back, you know, 13 years now. I probably have hundreds of of photos of myself that could be used for a bad purpose. Yeah. Yeah. You know, she told me that your face was one of her background pictures on her computer. And for a long time, she just refused to even open it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Ugh. Because it was just too much. It's so weird. Yeah. If if you could say something to her, what would it, what would you say? Um I think what I would say is a hundred thousand dollars to a stranger, to a scammer, to somebody who's a terrible person isn't enough to ruin your life. Mm. Um that there's a lot more that's still ahead. And that I am a believer that people like that have got what they've got coming. And is there something you'd want to say to the scammer? Probably shouldn't say in this broadcast. (laughs) Fair. All right, that is all for this week's show. If you have thoughts or just want to get in touch with us, you can always shoot us a note at uncomfortable at marketplace.org. Also, I'm going to keep plugging our weekly newsletter. If you want more This Is Uncomfortable content, highly recommend checking it out. You can sign up for our newsletter at marketplace.org slash comfort. 
This is Uncomfortable is me, Rima Hreis, Megan Dietrich, Haley Hirschman, Peter Balanon-Rosen, and Camila Kerwin. Peter Balanon-Rosen was the lead producer on this episode. Editing by Karen Duffin and Megan Dietrich. Marque Green is our intern. Tony Wagoner is our digital producer. Sound design and audio engineering by Drew Jostad. Zatar Nieves is the executive director of On Demand. And our theme music is by Wonderly. All right, I'll catch y'all next week. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Sometimes you need a change of pace. That includes your finances. Get smart with your budgeting with financial tips straight from the nerds. NerdWallet's trusted experts will set future you up for success by untangling today's web of financial misinformation. Learn about smart investing strategies, tax planning pointers, and travel tips to save on a fun family getaway, maybe somewhere tropical. Spring ahead for smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app.